Hey listeners, Phil here. I just wanted to let you know that this January, Stageworthy will be seven years old, and I can hardly believe it's been that long. If you wanted to celebrate with me, there is no better way to do that than to help spread the news about Stageworthy by leaving a rating and review. Especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. I would be so grateful if you did that. But I'm even more grateful that you're listening. Thank you for seven years. I'm Phil Rickaby, and I've been a writer and performer for almost 30 years. But I've realized that I don't really know as much as I should about the theater scene outside of my particular Toronto bubble. Now, I'm on a quest to learn as much as I can about the theater scene across Canada. So join me as I talk with mainstream theater creators you may have heard of, and indie artists you really should know, as we find out just what it takes to be stage-worthy. If you value the work that I do on Stageworthy, please consider leaving a donation either as a one-time thing or on a recurring monthly basis. Stageworthy is created entirely by me, and I give it to you free of charge with no advertising or other sponsored messages. Your continuing support helps me to cover the cost of producing and distributing the show. Just four people donating $5 a month would help me cover the cost of podcast hosting alone. Help me continue to bring you this podcast. You can find a link to donate in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app or at the website at stageworthy.ca. Now, on to the show. Kendall Savage is very funny and very serious about clowns. She's the former artistic director and co-creator of the Montreal Clown Festival, a student at the Second City Conservatory, and a clown in her own right. In this conversation, we talk about the origin of the Montreal Clown Festival, how Kendall fell in love with clowning, how her innate clown might be an asshole, and much more. Here's our conversation. Welcome, Kendall. It's a, it's good to good to see you in person. It's been uh, several years since I've seen your face yeah, in, I know. in person. The last time I saw you in person. The last time you saw me in person would have been at the Halifax Fringe Festival. Get out of town! That is a oh, fact. That was crazy. That is a fact. Holy crap! That was yeah. That was that was a great festival. That's a beautiful city. That was a crazy. I had I had a. I can't get into it, but I had a great. You can't, you can't articulate how good a time you had there. Oh, I, had, I had a really, I had a memorable time. I had an incredibly memorable. There was a lot going on. There was a lot going on because you were also producing the Montreal Clown Festival at the same time that you were uh, uh, yeah. directing and presenting this show at the Halifax Fringe. Very. It was my last year, uh, happily, um, uh, uh, co-producing. Co-producing that festival. <sighs> that was that was crazy. Sorry, I hadn't thought about the Halifax. How long? How long had you been producing that festival for? Gosh, I think I think uh, it had been. We were in year number four or five when I handed it over to the incredible Vanessa Rodeo to take over the reins, which she has done an incredible job of. And they finally just had their very first year of funding, which was uh, incredible. And they got to pay everyone appropriate prices and they got to move up um, to a beautiful, beautiful new, very different vibe, very wonderful theater. Um, the, the Gazoo, the Gazoo. Sorry, I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> Old Montreal. And uh, I, I just came back from it a few weeks ago and it was the most incredible experience. It was magical. It was really wonderful. Wow. Because now, because I think now the New York Clown Festival is kaput. So all the New York clowns came up to see. Oh, shit. That's great. Oh. Uh, and so I met some wonderful new friends and uh, got to see a bunch of clowns. They had one guy, 
very happily flew in from Spain. He was like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'm coming from Spain. And he performed one night and I never got to, I don't even know his name, but he was an incredible performer. And I never saw him the rest of the festival. And he just like came in, did this one cabaret and stayed for a day and then flew off back to Spain or something. Oh, people are really dedicated to their clown. Well, in Montreal, the community is wild in Montreal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know uh, Montreal has like a a, a huge uh, scene for just the physical arts uh, as well as as well as, you know, clown and other 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 things as well. Uh, Toronto, of course, had a clown festival. um, Yes. Yeah. uh, uh, Quite some time ago, I was uh, with. Keystone Theater, and we were involved in that with me. I saw you. That's where I first saw you perform. I remember that very vividly. No, it was wonderful. I remember, I remember. Yeah, they folded, unfortunately, Dave McKay and their their wonderful crew of people folded in 2018. Yeah. Um, Which was very sad because without them, um, my festival, the Festival de Clun de Montréal, would never have, uh, or at least it wouldn't be what it is today because I wouldn't have created it. They really yeah. had a heavy influence on that and inspired me to turn to Montreal and start my own thing. Well, it also, I mean, it also, like there are these, the Keystone created two of our shows because of that festival. Uh, the Like uh, The Last Man on Earth, which we toured across Canada, Gold Fever, which we did a few times, and at the Toronto Fringe, like those shows wouldn't have existed if not for the Clown Festival because we got in with the proposal and we did the show because of that yeah. festival. So these shows were created because of that. Yeah, we. I, I sincerely believe the Clown community owes a lot to Dave McKay and their crew um, for their festival because they were originals. They were originals. It was unfortunate, but you know, it didn't pan out the way everyone wanted, but. Mm. That, you know, this life sometimes and, and it, uh, I mean, it's I'm so happy it's I hard got to, to experience it. So, yeah, it's hard to I mean, it's hard to create a festival. It's hard, just as hard to keep a festival going. I mean, you know how hard it oh, is to, no. to just like have a festival going. Um, so hard. And, it yeah. is so hard. Like there are little surprises around the corner that I, I never would have imagined. Uh, just the, the legal contracts themselves sometimes became shocking. And a, a lot of the paperwork, my partner, Vanessa Rio, when she came on board, uh, it, I was so grateful that we called each other the sparkle and the glue. So I was the sparkle and she was the glue. And she really kept behind the scenes with the paperwork um, and, the, and the grant writing and everything. I was I would have been nothing without her. I think she was yeah. she was great. But uh, just keeping the artists happy alone sometimes and being making sure we can honor their work appropriately with their technical needs and everything also sometimes would just mm. be so so wild. Sometimes uh, people would apply with shows and then show up and they'd have no show. So yeah, that happened way more than I ever want to experience again. That happened a lot. A lot. Wow. So they would, they would like, like just, would they wing it? Uh, uh, there, I, I can remember the first few years, uh, just having to bite the bullet and pay for extra time in the theater to make sure they, uh, were comfortable with their work and what was going on and, and give them some rehearsal time and pay for rehearsal space. Wow. Yeah. So, and it happened and, and I agree. One wonderful thing I walked away from is I really learned how to pick and choose my wars. And and that that was very humbling very mm. quickly. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> here here's a question. How how do you choose which battle to fight? Um that's a good question. How do I choose? Well, I mean, if we're going to pretend that it's okay, if we're going to put the financial side aside, it's going to cost me a lot of money. It's not going to happen because at that time, everything was coming out of my pocket, my, my, my pocket or my wonderful uh, partner at the time, uh, who was a, an incredible financial backer to our festival. Um, if it was going to cost us too much money, nah, that's out of the question. That was not going to happen. But it really was just 
having to step back and be like, okay, what's best for the work? What's best to keep everybody feeling supported? Like I, uh, it was, ne- it never was about my happiness because it wasn't my festival. It was my, it was my festival, but it wasn't my festival. It was for the community, about community. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be somewhere where once a year, everyone could gather and celebrate something we mutually love, learn about different styles and types of clown. And um, and watch young artists flourish into professionals because we mm. always created space for uh, for the baby clowns, for new clowns to come. And really, I just would have to step back a lot and be like, okay, what do I need to make sure that this artist is going to go on stage and feel as confident and comfortable and supportive as possible? And I would just have to do what was right and not necessarily what was easy. And then if I had to do what was right, I just would take a deep breath and be like, okay, let's, let's problem solve. Because clowning essentially to me, it was, it is problem solving the impossible with the ridiculous. Uh, it, it has best worded. And that is what I believe uh, that one of the essence of clown is. It's what I look for when I go to shows. How are they using clown logic? How mm. are they problem solving uh, with ridiculous action? Uh, and I, that it unfolds into my everyday life. Like, okay, so let's find, let's find a way to fix this. And if it's a ridiculous way to fix it, it is what it is. So. Okay. Here's, here's an interesting question. And it sort of like uh, uh, jumps into, so I'm gonna, one of the questions I'm going to be asking is how you fell in love with Clown. <laughs> but before I get to that, I want to talk about, um, I, th- I feel like whenever I've done clown in the past, like back way back in theater school and anytime I've done it, everybody has their innate clown, the way that they um, naturally go before there's any kind of like you layer on character or what that, whatever that becomes, you have the clown that you are, you put on that nose and you become that person. Mm-hmm. Can you describe for me what your innate clown is? How, how are you, when when you begin at, at, at your natural clown? I, I believe my natural clown is quite an asshole. Can I swear? Can I swear on this? Is there, is there swearing a little? Uh, fuck yes. Yes, swear. <laughs> so my innate clown is very... Wow. God, so, it's so funny to, to, like, listening to yourself articulate this. Um, my innate clown is just... My innate client is an asshole. So I and and just wants to just wants to understand why everyone is so ridiculous and they are so normal and it's every it's it's everybody else. And whenever I go into starting to get into my innate clown, uh, and I breathe into my body and I breathe in my colors to my nose because I I I studied the Pachenko technique primarily, although I have experienced many, many, many to where my heart lies. Um, and when I breathe in my colors and I breathe in my nose all at the very end and I open my eyes, I breathe in my natural surroundings and how my clown reacts to its natural surroundings. So depending on where I am is my, my essential reaction to what is going on. And it's often a, it often starts in a place of a wondrous discovery. Like, whoa, what is this? Like, why is this here? And, and then I find my feeling and allow my body to naturally, naturally react. And I really find a, la- a, a heavy sense of... They don't... My clown does not think it's an asshole, but... In order to describe it best to you, asshole would would be <laughs> would be the first place I go to, <laughs> and then just everyone is so so ridiculous, and I'm I am the normal like it's <laughs> me. I, I hope that it, I hope I'm articulating. No, absolutely. There's because there is that that thing that 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 people find when they first start like studying clown or doing clown and that first experience, uh, putting on that nose and finding this vulnerability and also this 
this this freedom to explore and and discover and do things that that somehow this 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 red nose pulls off the inhibition that you have when you're not wearing that nose, right? For it's some, this strange it thing can. that happens. Yeah, for some it can. Uh, for some, it's too much pressure. Like a, a, a lot of people put a lot of 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 spiritual mumbo jumbo on the nose and a lot of pressure that you know once that nose is on i i am a clown and everything and it's just one tool in my toolbox and it's a style choice as well mm -hmm. um so it, it the psychological pressures we put on ourselves to simply arrive on stage open and vulnerable with no fourth wall to explore and share uh, our vulnerability and and trust that the humor is going to come through with our moment-to-moment -moment reactions through clown. Um, I mean, if you have nothing planned, ideally, if you're going on stage, you might have a little something put together, moment-to-moment. -moment. Um, and, and some people really thrive in the nose. I thrive in the nose. And then when I ever do the, the Goulier te technique for clowning, I, I flounder. I struggle. When my nose is off, I am like, what is my clown? Where am I? Suddenly, I'm not as big an asshole. And I get really, uh, um, I get very sad, vulnerable. So it, 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 mm. it is, a, a lot of it, of course, nationally is very psychological. Mm -hmm. How much pressure you put on yourself. So for, for us, uh, we perhaps we feel more free with our nose um and for others it really it really is a, a struggle and vice versa but but no but go on no no uh the so i guess i, I will i will move on to um how did you first fall in love with clown <laughs> i was doing uh i'll try to make this cole's note i was doing a I was doing a workshop at this thing called the Players Academy. It was an intensive. And Mike Kennard of Mump and Smoot, uh, my clown master, was performing, uh, was teaching uh, at the intensive. And um, I, I shone a little bit. And he said, you know, you really should keep going and you should be bringing your clown to the clown farm, which unfortunately, uh, John Turner's clown farm is no longer with us. But um, the magic is still in the air. Um, and I, I remember distinctively looking at him at the corner of we were at Bloomberg Dover Cart and I looked up at him and I said, Yeah, I'd be joking. Who who makes a career out of clown? <laughs> uh but I was I was madly in love with it and then we parted our way. It was my last day of class. And I was like, Okay, that's never gonna happen again. And then I went back to university for theater in Montreal and my first year I was scouted by Cirque du Soleil. Uh, I was in a Natalie Claude show, who was an incredible clown. She was a clown in uh, the Cirque du Soleil Alma Luna. And she was uh, directing a show there. And I was one of the head clowns in the performance. And she said she invited uh, Yves Sherek, or so the, the story goes, to come see, uh, come see the show and watch out for the very strong clown woman who was in it. And up the air. After the show, I ran out and said, oh, you're the casting director of Cirque du Soleil? I'd love to audition for you. And he's like, yeah, of course. And, and now we're really good friends. He's wonderful. <laughs> and, and I just said, you know what? I think I'd really better start listening to people and take this seriously. My whole life, I had been told how much I shone at comedy. And I was very nonchalant about it. But then I started taking it and I, I just ran with it. And it just was like, it just over. I got to experience Montreal. I got to experience so many different styles and so many different circuses and different um, adventures. And I flew, I flew all over. And then I went to get a master's degree in Edmonton under Mike Kennard. And I was able to go out to the once and only uh, festival of clowns um, in Vancouver. That was really cool. And I got to meet that entire side of the world of clowns. And I now know the other side of the uh, world is Canadian clown. And along the way, it just, I fell in love with everything. I'm just so in love. I can't, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just so magical. It really is. What was it? I mean, as far as like shining, but what was it that, that, that kept drawing you into it? There's something that about it that resonates with you. So what is it that, that, that made you 
keep going with it. I got, I don't, I'm, I'm just going to act on impulse and tell you my first thoughts and not judge it. But really, when uh, I knew I really, really, really was in love when I was standing on stage at the University of Alberta in front of a couple hundred people and they were just screaming with laughter. And all I do was doing was just um, loving being an asshole to someone in the audience. And the, and the person I was directing the asshole towards, they just were loving that I was making them the asshole. So it was this way of being able to make fun of people, but having them in on the joke. And I think the nose and the humor and the not punching down at the same time. I know that sounds contradictory, mm. but there, there is a magic that clown allows you to excuse your assholeism because it comes from a place of love. And clown allows me if I, if I respect it and I respect the audience well enough to walk that fine line of, yeah, how far can I go to make fun of other people and the world around me uh, and still be absolutely loved? Hmm. And I, I, I look back fondly on that moment and having a little, aha, or a, I like to call it a, a, the Spalding Gray moment. <laughs> because it's my favorite story. I tell everyone this. Because Spalding Gray, the writer, and uh, he was in the Wooster Group in New York City, couldn't leave any experience till he had that cathartic moment that made everything whole. So everything I do now is uh, uh, I wait for that, that moment of catharsis. And I, I think it was one of the greatest moments. In my life, on stage, you have hundreds of people looking at me, and I just had them in the palm of my beautiful mm. hand. And I got to improvise and drop my script and go deal with all of these little magical gifts from the clown gods of humor and then come back to the script. And then mm. the, the roaring applause from the audience was just, it was, mag yeah. it was magical. It's, it's yeah. magical. It's magical. When you were just that free and funny at the same time. Mm. When it's done well, it's done well. Even when it's done poorly, I still kind of love it because that clown tried. I'm very, very anti-clique and I'm very anti-snobbery um, of, ooh, I've studied with so-and-so. Mm. I'm like, that's fantastic, but... Mm. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Like, <laughs> like, just be, are you nice? Are you good to work with? Are you funny? Are you a community member? Or are you an insecure person who is just projecting your shit mm. all over us? And, and do you, if you are, like, how can we help you? Be a little more happy in life. So, <laughs> it, you know, it, it's human. It's human to be so. But. <sighs> here's, a, here's a controversial topic that, that, I, I, anybody who does clown, I have to address this. I, I because, know. You're and I, I think you probably know, know where I'm going to go. I do. Uh, because I remember years ago, what, one of the times when I was doing a show, uh, one of the Keystone Theater shows at the Toronto Festival of Clowns, I mentioned to a friend uh, that I was doing this show at the Toronto Festival of Clowns. And their response was, oh, well, I'm not going to that. Like, there's this popular trope and, and, I get some people are afraid of that circus clown thing. I blame Tim Curry and it. Um, but there's like that whole thing where it's now popular to be like, oh, clown, I'm afraid. And in the meantime, people are sort of blocking themselves off to a really because they don't understand what clown is. They only understand like the idea of circus. As far as where do you land on the on this thing? What, what do you think of this this? situation where it's popular to be afraid um i, I would be uh, if they're never gonna come so i'm not gonna waste my emotional energy on them sure go ahead so you're missing out on some really great stuff but like if you want to know more i'm here i i don't i don't oppose horror clown i mm. work with a lot of blood in my mm. Performance uh, and Muffin Smook. Uh, if you read their stuff, they consider themselves horror clowns. They have called them that themselves that since their beginning of their creation, horror clowns. But the popular popularized, like it sort of horror clown, um, 
I don't have the right to tell, no one has the right to tell anyone what is and what isn't clown if that person believes it's clown. That doesn't mean I'm going to like it. However, if you are standing in a parking lot <laughs> in a scary clown outfit trying to intimidate people, assault is assault. So I like to think that people aren't really afraid of clowns. They're afraid of people who are going to assault them. Uh, because the whole rash of like those scary clowns that were running around were right. We're like, that was just, that was, that's just people. That's those people that are going to intimidate and insult us. Mm -hmm. and I really don't believe anyone in their right mind would believe that that's what clown was. I like to get the benefit of the doubt that people are not that. Yeah. Stupid. I just, I think that there's this idea because when people hear clown, the, the circus world has been really great at popularizing this particular image of what a clown is. Cirque du Soleil, on the other hand, they have like their, it's like, more the European thing. It's it's different. Uh, but when people think clown, they think like Ronald McDonald or something like that. Middle Whereas, America, party clown, child clown. Yes. Um, yes. I do think they, I do think I'm going to say something very controversial and I'm going to own it. Yeah. Uh, I do think that the World Clown Association is riddled with problems. Uh, I believe they have a lot of deep-seated racism happening in there. And if you simply look back to their, I believe, 2015 award ceremony where they gave someone with yellow face um, an award, a very, very disgusting tribute, uh, mm. you know, full Fuman, a white man in a full Fuman Chu outfit, mm. uh, mocking Asian people, was given an award. I do think uh, a lot of those clowns are not changing with the times. Hmm. Uh, obviously, they're not catering to a different audience. We're no longer in these huge rings. We are upfront and personal with children. So you, you do have to tone things down with children. You do have to be more sensitive. And you do have to get with the times when it comes to what is culturally acceptable what costumes are appropriate, what makeup is appropriate. I believe um, clown through its entire history, and I have studied quite a bit of this, has adapted and changed to its needs of the audience. And I do not believe a lot, hashtag not all clowns, um, but I do think the majority of them have not gotten with the times. And I believe a, a, a lot of middle America party clowns have mm. um, really, um, you know, need, they need to do better. I, I am, I'm primarily focusing on the world cloud association. Mm -hmm. uh, I am, I'm not afraid to say that out loud because I will fight racism to the bitter, bitter end. And I don't care. Mm. I know there are a lot of people in that association that are trying to do better. And it is the World Clown Association. So there are many different cultures there. But the uh, main focus is based in America. And we are mm. talking primarily about uh, American clowning here. We're not moving into any discussion on um, Sacred First Nations clown or anything. Mm. So, uh, that this is my focus on this conversation. And uh, it wouldn't hurt for people to start updating their image as you update to the need of your audience. I mean, in some ways you could say that about theater in general. Um, there's like a whole lot of things that are done in the theater world because that's how we do it. And so it's not just in clown. The theater world could do with that on its own as well. I can believe that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's funny, you remember you were mentioning about how, you know, Mom and Smooth, they refer to themselves as horror clowns. And I can remember, I mean, I'm an old man, so um, I remember them at Toronto Fringe and being like it they were horror clowns, but they were punk rock. Oh, like yeah. they were they were punk rock clowns. Like they were like on the edge. Nobody went to that thing. They were getting a circus clown. And this is pre like everybody, like it, everybody's afraid of clowns. They were like the thing to see. Yeah, right? yeah. Because it was like wild and and it was what fringe was meant to be. 
So it's 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 sort of like uh, they were a particular thing, and uh, uh, I I think that they were making their own rules at the time. Oh, absolutely, and that is something I I love about them so much, especially. Um, They'll be returning to Apprentice under Mike Canard, hopefully this following spring. Um, and they do play by their own rules. And when you would go to one of their shows, it was like, you, you could be a victim. I, I was taught very, very much so uh, how beautiful the gift is uh, when an audience member. That, For example, I did a performance last week and one of my audience members started to drift off to sleep. And I got the biggest laugh when I called them out on it and walked over. So if, if you went to one of their shows and anything happened, you would automatically be part of the show. And it was welcomed. And that spontaneity is, is another reason that I am absolutely in love with um, this, this style of clown I do. Because you always apply to the fringe, which I believe open today. I will be applying myself. And... You, I always sign up for a 45 minute show and a lot at least 15 minutes for audience improvisation because mm. any, any, anything is possible and they're a beautiful proof of it. And it's something they very much so teach. Drop the script yeah. and for the gift of the clown gods in, in the audience and go out and deal with the problem, deal with what was going to happen. And that, that doesn't happen. I don't see that. I hardly see that in the Montreal style clown. Hmm. And that's something I wish I really, I really did see because we always talk about no fourth wall in clown, but very rarely do I see uh, the clown when the wall is dropped. They actually deal with the problem that's going on. So. Why? Why do you think it is that that as far as the Montreal clown goes that you don't see that happening? What What is the difference between the Montreal clown scene and say? the toronto clown scene oh they're they're both wonderful communities great clowns but one is very much european style uh Gaulier, um teaching which is becoming more and more popular here it, it's fascinating to watch um uh, and i know why it's happening um and here it's very much the canadian anglais it's considered very anglais uh, the Pachenko style, for lack of a better word for the name of the pedagogy. And there are visually two different ways to, to, to see a clown, and it's two drastically, drastically different styles of learning clown. And they're both valid. They're just different ways of approaching. Uh, and, and in the forefront, like I abide by 32 rules of clown. And there are, are no rules taught really in the in the Goyer style of clown. It's very much just go out there and do and be fun. Mm. I'm, I'm obviously oversimplifying this. There is much yes, more to it. Yes, of course, of course. But, um, but the style that I specialize in, the Pacheco style, you start from absolute um, scratch, like nothing, and you learn along the way. And one of the main things is is to react to anything that happens in the world and the audience mm. is in your world so you have to deal with it and what a gift what a gift mm. for a telephone in the audience to go off yeah oh my god i live i do this show just so shit that happens in the audience i can deal with that's where my fun lies the script and the laughter i get is fantastic but when someone who genuinely genuinely fucked up in the audience like falls asleep or their phone goes off or even sneezes what a gift and i live i eat that shit up and that's what i want to do that's where i want to go i want to be in the audience just like tearing them a new one in, and them loving that they're getting they're getting torn up like that's the thing with the clown you can get away with a lot of shit i can get away with uh, totally making fun of someone down to their deep, dark core. And I know they'll walk away feeling like they were the most popular person in that room that day. Because it's how you approach. Mm. In essence, I like to believe, because this is how I genuinely feel when I'm out there, that everything I do, every moment of asshole, comes from the most beautiful place of my heart. Mm. Uh, 
And love doesn't always have to be flowers and sunshine. <laughs> that's another that's another thing. My work yeah. is, is rather dark and screwed up, but it, it always comes from a place of love. Hmm. Here's a here's a question for you. Um you've been posting some I, th- I think you're experimenting with a new with a new clown. Yes and no. Yes. So Okay. I want I want to hear about this 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 thing that you've been working on. Uh, oh, so I ha- I uh I made the choice to put take my nose off and keep my producer hat on when I started the festival. It was just too much pressure. People kept coming up to me and being like Oh, you're starting a festival? You're an artistic director suddenly? <laughs> you must be an incredible clown. And then it started getting in my head. I was like, whoa, running a festival. What if I'm not an incredible clown? And then um, it got to the point where I decided, okay, you know what? Let's give ourselves a break. I took my nose off and I kept my hat on. So uh, once the festival was given back, given away, I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this. Let's Let's find my clown again it's it's eunice with three u's um i I just ripped the band-aid off and uh started performing again because there's sweet action theater that is in town is so is like kind of becoming the heart of the clown community there's some wonderful safe places for people to try new things and to learn there's a monday night class called play play where you come and you learn clown and physical theater and things along that line for people who may not have a lot of experience performance and the same people do the thing called the dodo dome and john beale has uh saved the show which adds a beast oh my god so when i am um, my friend asked me hey, you want to perform a dodo dome I, I agreed and i was like i haven't performed in seven years i haven't performed in seven years so I knew I wanted to take advantage of something that I felt I could uh, um, talk about. And I am a mental health advocate. So I put a lot of this topic into my clown. So Eunice wears a, a straight jacket and little a, a, a television antennas on her head. And what I'm doing is I'm making a comment on society about how quite often people who struggle with mental illness, as much as you say you support them, are ostracized and uh, treated as other, as much people who have differences than the norm are. And because of my uh, condition and how I am able to use it to my advantage in this situation, Eunice lives in this world where she is the most sane person. And, and the audience is the madhouse. So um, what she does in her world when she explores on stage is she's in a constant state of confusion because everyone is just so mad. And she can't, she can't understand, or they actually, my clown that is, has no gender, um, they can't understand why, why it, it, they're surrounded by such mad uh, and uh, what I'm doing is I'm making a huge comment on society. That's what mm. I. That's what I am working towards heavily, mm. and that's what I'll be working towards this next six months as I try to fit together my my right. um, show. Um, <laughs> now I know that you've you've been in Toronto for for a few years from Montreal, and you've been uh, uh, you know doing some 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 work at the 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 Second City Conservatory. Yes. Um, was Second City the reason why you came to Toronto? Was that like, did you want to take courses there? Did part. you want to? Yeah, it was a huge part. I was um, handing over my festival. I was going through a very unfortunate divorce time. My parents are in Niagara and I had previously been in Toronto and I thought, okay, this might be a good time to, to go home and start fresh. Uh, and I was very very ready to hand over the festival i was like i was done um i wasn't i wasn't my heart is always going to be in it and i'm always a little sad that i'm not running it but i I, their number one supporter so so i came and i started uh the conservatory and then i needed to take a little break from it and then covid hit uh and then as soon as i was able to i jumped back 
And and one of my goals has been to work towards uh, getting to the main stage to Second City, which I am kind of hot and cold on these days uh, because there's so much going on. I'm excited about everything. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I, just, I want to do everything. So, but right now uh, I'm in my last, uh, I'm in my last semester with just like the most wonderful cast. I just love them so dearly. And uh, Paul Bates is going to be directing our final show. Who's an incredible writer, comedian, does a lot of the directing. I'm really looking forward to that. You, you, you're working on, uh, or you, uh, on a new Toronto Clown Festival. What's, what's happening with that? Where are you with that? What's, okay. Tell me everything. So there's not a lot to tell, and that's okay. I, uh, uh, when I very first got here in 2019, uh, permanently 2019, um, I gathered some of the smartest people I knew who I thought would be great uh, at running a festival because I didn't want to be in charge of a festival. I thrive hands-on managing the floor when the festival is actually happening and the artists are there and making sure everyone's happening in the natural flow and having a good time and making sure the place is a party. So Brian, um, La Violette, am I pronouncing that right? God, I hope so. Uh, he's the director of Morrow and Jack. And then Alicia Stefano, who is the producer of Red Nose Cabaret. And uh, a, f- a few others. But the, they are the two uh, main artistic directors. And they have been getting together and chatting on exactly what their vision is. But we met quite a few times to discuss what we wanted. At first, it was really about what does uh, the community need. And we had some clown hall as I thought they were so cleverly called. <laughs> um, and we listened to everybody and we, we knew what they wanted. Uh, but honestly, uh, a lot of the things they were asking for, uh, uh, as someone who had uh, was stepping back and um, able to observe an entire community from afar didn't seem like something everyone was necessarily ready to follow through with. So there was a lot of talk about how bad people wanted affordable workshops, but I knew that some of the great teachers that were coming here were struggling to find students. So it was like, okay, um, so once COVID hit, then it, died down because it is still going on and not necessarily over but when we all felt safe to get back together three of us got together and decided okay well what do we want we've had enough time to sit and think about this and our main goal is sustainability because uh, we want to bring a community together but there is no festival without sustainability which should always be the core of any festival and I can tell you that something is in the works. Uh, ideally, we are aiming for next fall. So we all line up with the other clown festivals in the country and we don't overlap each other. And we can possibly support out-of-town artists by them jumping festivals, festival, festival across Canada. And we are focusing on, uh, uh, and this might change, although heavily clown in the clown community, at this point, there is not enough clown who are performing in the community to sustain a festival. We are moving towards more of a physical theater hmm. or, 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 and we want to focus on weird, but not like fetish weird. We want to try to find a little more puppetry hmm. and some um, uh, uh, street art and clowning. Just like like more of the like the outsiders, like Misfit mm. Island kind of kind of treasures, the things that don't necessarily fit into any festival would fit into this one, and mm. it would be heavily, 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 heavily um, focused around clowning and ball and puppetry, and just like mm. really special, special things and, and trying to support artists and make sure everyone gets paid as well as we possibly can until we can get funding. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you to speculate uh, for a moment. Okay. I'm going to ask you to speculate about why 
you think that there is not, um, why there isn't enough clown? Have clown people stopped clowning? Have they left the 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 clown industry? Um, what's? I think a lot. I think. Uh, I think there is a large uh, group of clowns still in mourning over the unfortunate, oh, it's more than unfortunate, the devastating loss of Helen Donnelly, who was an incredible clown teacher here, who passed way before her, her time um, this last year. I think they're still in mourning and they're not necessarily prepared to come out. I think there are a lot of uh, what we would call baby clowns to almost intermediate clowns in the city but from what i've seen there are very few professional level clowns in the city that could that they themselves could sustain a very solid piece of work for mm. for any festival or for uh, a fringe even they, and it's not because they're not talented or they're not heart, heart's not in it. It's just, there's not a lot of uh, directors. Like I very mm. much know myself want to get into directing cloud. Um, it, there's just not enough advanced teachers in, especially in the, um, in the world of uh, Pachenko clowning, uh, you have to drive eight hour, eight, nine hours North. Sudbury, if you want to get to a little more advanced clowning, uh, or I am bringing the incredible uh, Jed Tomlinson in from Montreal, who is mm. John Turner's uh, protege, mm. uh, who's an incredible, incredible teacher, an incredible clown, uh, Sizzle and Spark, incredible clown duo. Oh my God, fantastic! He 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 is um, going to be one of the. Uh, future masters in Pacheco, such as mm. myself, I believe, once my apprenticeship has come to fruition. Uh, I'm bringing him in in January to try to introduce it. Um, there is a really interesting thing with lots of baby clowns in the improv world right now. Mm. and But they also don't, they don't have the experience or qualifications to hold a solid performance hmm. uh, for, and what i mean solid i mean like a, a 45 minute 30 to 45 minute solid presentation right. that can bring audience members back in and in trying right, to right, right. Yeah. right now there's a lot of baby clowns but there's no advanced hmm. uh clowns hmm. there's, and there's no one really there to guide them right now hmm that's so, yeah but, definitely that's a problem yeah 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 so I, I very much so want to change that. I want yeah. to bring people up to their uh, potential and guide them through a proper um, performance so they can be stronger clouds. And, and it really is like getting blood from stone right now. And mm. I don't know if that's because people are still afraid of COVID. I don't know if it's because they're still in mourning. But the only clowns that I am seeing that are active right now uh, are the new improv clowns because... Uh, Ken Hall and Isaac Kessler have started this thing called the uh, Clown Prov. And a lot of these imp improvisers are starting to discover how they can mix the two. And they're discovering clown for the first time. And they are bringing in teachers from L.A. So John mm. Ilkey has been coming up, who's an incredible teacher. And um, uh, uh, again, John Beale, who is the... Uh, teaching a whole new slew of students and he does Goyer technique. So this is all sort of Goyer uh, idiot technique, which is very, very different style than what mm. I teach and do. And it's all valid, but there's just all these fresh faces. And I just don't know where the clown community is. I don't know what the Pacheco clown community is. They're not coming out. I'm calling for them. I'm, I'm trying to offer them space, sweet mm. action. And, and I'm trying to offer directing and, and I am here and excited to help create and shape all of these wonderful clowns, but I, I can't make people clown and I, I don't know where they are. And I want the improv clown world and the clown clown world to meet and come together. And I want the cliqueiness to just pop right mm. up and 
at the end of the day, just fuck dies. This is, it's just clown. Yeah. It's wonderful, yeah. but we really need to, to come together as a community and we have to start creating. And it's just not happening. Yeah. That, that cliqueiness, I think, is a problem just across the, the theater Absolutely. world. We refer to the, the theater community, but we don't know what that is. Yeah. Because it, of yeah. all of the silos and the cliqueiness. It really is. I have zero tolerance for that shit. Zero tolerance. I'm not, yeah. I refuse to treat, I refuse to treat anyone any differently. Yeah. Well, Kendall Savage, thank you so much for, for joining me. This has been a delight to, to have an opportunity <laughs> to chat with you. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. This has been an episode of Stageworthy. Stageworthy is produced, hosted, and edited by Phil Rickaby. That's me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a review. Those reviews and ratings help new people find the show. If you want to keep up with what's going on with Stageworthy and my other projects, you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to philrickaby.com slash subscribe. And remember, if you want to leave a tip, you'll find a link to the virtual tip jar in the show notes or on the website. You can find Stageworthy on Twitter and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the complete archive of all episodes at stageworthy.ca. If you want to find me... You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. And as I mentioned, my website is philrickaby.com. See you next week for another episode of Stageworthy. Worthy.